countercultural says, well, look, if you're for this, you're against this. If you are for this organization, then you're against this organization. If you're for this political party, then you're clearly against this. And there's no, there's no, everything is counter. But when Jesus chose to be kingdom cultural, not counterculture, countercultural says there's a counterpunch to every opposing view, but Jesus chose to live kingdom cultural. And kingdom cultural says, no, there's a better way. And there's a way that's higher. There's a way that doesn't get caught in the drama of, of, of the back and forth, but that you rise above it. Welcome to the Live, Lead, Last podcast, and thank you for joining us for another episode. We're glad you made the choice to join us. I'm Lisa Duvall, and I'm here with my husband and co-host, James Duvall. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, we hope you are well and that today's episode will be an encouragement to you. Lisa, it really is fun seeing the podcast community increase week after week, and we want you to know that we appreciate any and all feedback you give us. It helps us to know how to tailor the content to be most helpful for you. I also want to thank you for continuing to share the podcast with your friends and family. We count on word of mouth and the influence of the Live Lead Last community to continue growing the show's reach. We want you to know that we're working on a special Thanksgiving episode and we want you to be a part of it. 2020 has been a hard year for all of us and for some more than others. However, we want to take some time as a community to express our gratitude and also share some of our family traditions. So here's what we're asking you to do. Would you please go to anchor.fm backslash last. There you will see a link that says message. When you click the link, you can leave an audio message for us. There are four things that we're asking you to tell us. First, tell us your name. Secondly, where you're from. Third, something that you are thankful for. And finally, one Thanksgiving tradition from your family. The tradition could be anything from a game you've always played to eating Chinese food for your Thanksgiving meal. If you're able to, I would encourage you to pause this episode and do it right now. And then obviously come back and listen to the rest of the show. You know, James, I love hearing about other people's family traditions. It always inspires me. And sometimes we just need a new, fresh tradition in the way we do family life. So I'm excited about that. Today's episode features the recent conversation you had with your friend, Alan Pastine. Alan is a pastor, communicator, culture creator, entrepreneur, coach. He is the founder of the New Young Christian a discipleship platform dedicated to spiritual formation and personal inspiration for this generation. He just released his first book, The New Young Christian, Practical Advice for the Modern Disciple. Alan is a certified leadership coach of the John Maxwell team and is the founder of Forward Leadership Coaching, helping leaders, teams, and organizations advance in personal development, team performance, and organizational productivity. You're also going to find out that Alan is highly enthusiastic and he's full of energy. I know. We're going to enjoy the conversation, so let's jump in. Alan, how are you, my friend? So good to see you. James, so great. Thanks for inviting me on your podcast. It's incredible. Love seeing you. Love hearing your voice. This is awesome. Yeah, man. It's great having you on the Live Lead Last podcast, and I'm so thankful that you would spend some time with me and share with us today. You know, you and I have only known each other for a short time, but I've totally enjoyed connecting and learning more about you and learning about your leadership and all that you're doing. And I'm really excited about our listeners getting to know you a little bit today. I love it. Well, hey, being in your office was already the start of a beautiful friendship. I mean, your <laughs> office is amazing. 
I was already inspired because you've got all those things in the wall, which was cool. And then you took time for me. I mean, you didn't even know me. And we connected through a friend and I just threw myself out there and said, man, I'd love to meet you because you're a legend. And next thing I know, we're kicking it and we're enjoying, like, I think time just flew. Like, I'm like, man, I could do this all day. So I just <laughs> felt like it was such a fun connect with you. Thank you for just believing in me, believing in what I'm doing and just give me the time of day. Like you're an incredible leader. Uh, it's such that, an honor man. to be with you, man. I appreciate Thanks. it. You know, one of the things that probably people who know me and are going to hear in you is you and I are, are a little bit different. Like when you walked down the hallway, that first time we met, I was like, okay, this guy is very passionate and he has a ton of energy. I love that about you. And it's hard to believe it was just really the beginning of 2020 which we were yeah. sharing, it feels like a decade ago because of six months of COVID and quarantine. And it's great to, to connect across the country. You're out in Minnesota, over here in South Florida, but it's, it's great to be with you. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. I'm an ENFP. Um, I have no caffeine in, in me right now, but I just get lit up full of life when I'm with people that are passionate leaders that are going for it. You're one of them. You bring it out me, dude. So thank you for letting me just hang with you. This is awesome. You're an ENFP, I'm an ISTJ, nothing in common, but hey. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I don't know what it's just, that's how God does it. That's right. For our listeners who may not be familiar with you, could you just take a little bit of time and just share a little bit of your background, a little history of who you are as a, as a leader, as a pastor? Yeah. So uh, for me, it, it started back when I was DJing, I was in a fraternity, I was DJing in college, I was student government of trying to evangelize people to join my organization. And I hit a low points, you know, when you live in college, you're not living for God. I, my parents were wonderful twice a year, Christmas, Easter Christians. And my mom found Jesus when I was about 17 or 18 from there, it was suddenly she started sharing with me about the Lord. And next thing you know, uh, my, I came to my low point in college and I called my mom and I said, I'm going to give my heart to Jesus tomorrow because you say I should give it a shot. And man, 22 years old, next thing you know, I was wonderfully transformed by Jesus, got freed from a lot of stuff. And from there, I just threw myself in a church life, threw myself into uh, falling in love with Jesus. I went to every worship thing. I went to every discipleship thing. I went everywhere. And I think the church had open, if there was a kid's puppet like show I was in the front row going, this is amazing. And my friends are like, what are you doing on a kid's puppet show? I'm like, dude, it's because they're talking about the Bible. Like I'm in love with the Bible. So it was just, I had one of those moments from there. I served in the church for a year, found my call to be a pastor serving a bunch of homeless teenagers squatting in a burned out building in England. Wow. I went on a, my first missions trip. Found them, I said, I could do this the rest of my life. Uh, I graduated with the degree in PR and advertising. And I'm like, the church has a PR problem. Jesus is amazing. We're not hearing enough about who Christ is, of what the church needs to be. Like, why is this not getting out there? So I gave my life to being a pastor. And so I went to Bible school right after I graduated with my business degree. And next thing you know, I'm youth pastor for 20 years. And I've been running hard youth pastoring. And I'm campus pastoring right now at a fantastic church in Minnesota. And it's just been 
an amazing ride, an amazing journey. That's awesome. We have a common friend who works with me and you've had a huge impact on his life. And it's obvious that you really believe in raising up next generation, discipling and investing in. And you actually have a platform that's called the New Young Christian. Can you talk a little bit about the New Young Christian and how did it actually get started? Yeah, the New Young Christian started about five years ago. And it started because... After I left youth ministry, I talked to a really good friend and he said, hey, you've got 20 years of youth ministry experience in you. Are you sure you want to just let all that information just kind of go, you know, sterile and just kind of sit there? And or do you want to do something with it? You know, while you're ministering in a different context, I said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead. You're right. And so I started this platform called The Indian Christian. And the reason why I chose these words is this. It's we're new. I use the word new. Because the social, cultural, relational, political landscapes are changing and how we engage with our community and our culture will determine how we change it. And so Mm. the message of Jesus Christ is the same, of course, but it's the methods that are different. And I'm like, this ain't your grandma's church, so it's ain't your grandma's discipleship. So I'm trying to say things in a new way, do things in a new way. Young, because, of course, this new generation of Christians are not just young in age, but they might be young in faith. And so it's never been more critical, in my opinion, to engage in honest, meaningful, life-giving conversations about faith. And then Christian, because at the end of the day, I want to reach Christians. I want to people disciple people into Christ. I'm unashamed of that. I try to say things in a different way. So at the front end, I want people to know, no, we are Christian because our passion is Jesus. Our marching orders are love and our heart is global. That's what we do with the Neon Christian, with me and my friends that run it. We're just like, I got this team of young adults and we, we kick it. That way. And so we're going to run, we're going to follow Christ into the good and the bad. That's just what we do. I put that on the front so people know we are Christian. We're lifting up Jesus, but we might use different methods. We might say things in a little different way, but this platform's really a discipleship platform. And, and I use the sub phrase uh, practical faith for the modern disciple because I think there's a modern disciple that's out there, like the employee that works for you like a lot of young people that I've discipled over the years. And it really is just a result of the conversations I've had with young adults, Gen Z, young adults, moms, dads, adult men, 40 years old, whatever, that I've asked questions like, I've never really understood this. And I'm like, okay, well, how can we, how can we unpack this and say it? And so the new Christian was birthed out of that. And I love the fact that it's, not hidden. Like you're so passionate about Christ and so passionate about discipling people. In today's culture, people are looking for a cause. They're looking for something to give their life to and to be so unashamed to say, hey, this is a way to live your life that you can live all out for Christ and not be ashamed of it. I also love the way that you're making the language relevant. And, you know, Mm. I'm not young in age and I'm really not young in my faith, but the stuff you're teaching is so inspiring and so practical. You actually just released your first book, actually entitled The New Young Christian Field Guide, Practical Advice for the Modern Disciple. I've read the book. I told you I love it. That's your first book you've written, but I think you did such a great job. Can you give our listeners a little bit of an overview of the book? Yeah, absolutely. And man, that means a lot that I know you're a voracious reader and amazing. So I love that that meant something to this book. So I take that as an incredible compliment. So thank you so much. It really, it started off as a blog. Actually, I wrote a blog and I am a talker. And so I am extroverted. And so with that comes me over communicating and trying to find the right words and, and all of this, I have a conversation with someone and I realize, like, you know what? I want to really find out what exactly that verse 
rather than just quoting a portion of that verse, I'm going to quote the whole thing. And so many of these conversations in this book were from youth, young adults, um, people in my church, where they asked these questions and we had a really great dialogue. And I would go into my Evernote and write it down, some of the thoughts that came up. So this is not just me writing it. It's really this next generation wrote it with me. That's awesome. It's my friend, Nathan. It's my friend, uh, Mitch. It's all of the young people that I've had a chance to wonderfully be inspired by. And I stopped and I put it down and I wrote it down into a blog form. And then after the blogs kept kicking and going, Outreach Magazine picked them up, Influence Magazine picked it up, and Car Magazine picked it up. And finally, I just took all the articles that they thought was good enough or was inspiring enough or got their attention that they put it on their website. I'm like, well, I might as well collect all of them. And I put them into this book form. And it thus it caused me to be able to take all of this and I got the chapters um, that came out of it, which was everything from following Jesus when I don't feel like it, to stopping unstoppable sins, to loving like Jesus and a tolerant and political culture. And these are all real life conversations that we put the paper and just threw them into the book and just see what happens. I mean, even the way you, you talk about sexual identity and sex and so forth is just so practical, but biblically based. I, I told you earlier that, you know, the format of the book, I really appreciate. You open it up, you give some great stories, some great illustrations, and then you finish each chapter really with some really practical ways that an individual can live out the principles that you teach. And I, I think there's something about when you read a book and that you can walk away and it's not just like, this is all theory, but here's some really practical ways that you can begin right now to put this into practice. Hey, I want to ask you as a first time writer, I mean, obviously you're a blogger, but writing the book, I've never done it. I'm always envious of when somebody does it because I know it's hard work, but I'm interested, what did it do in you to actually have to compile and write? Were there any lessons that you learned as a as an individual, as a leader, as a, a self-learner that this process of writing the book created in you? Yeah, you know, it caused me to grab information when it came on the fly instantly. So number one, I read a lot of blogs and I the Feedly app is fantastic for this for me. And so if I found a topic, if a, if a blog hit a topic of an idea, or I've got chapters in mind, like I've got, I'm like, I really want to write about this issue because I'm hearing people talk about it. People don't know how to, pastors don't know how necessarily how to say it. They can't say it because it's too charged, emotionally, politically, socially, relationally charged. And so I would put these categories in my Evernote and I would find a blog, I'd read it. I'd start reading. I'm like, oh, I like this. I would just zing it into my Evernote, man. That's all I would do. And it caused me to document a point. If I'm reading a Bob Goff book right now, I'm reading Bob Goff's book. And I, I liked him like, Quick took a snapshot and I dumped it into a subcategory. Yeah. And so it caused me to really on the, if I'm having a conversation, I would, I, I would say, Hey, I'm listening to you. I'm just writing this down. So I don't forget this. I would write those notes and I would zing it. And so it caused me to kind of research on the fly. And then I would question myself, does this make sense? Is this biblical? Where's the scripture for this? How can they say that? I would find myself doing that. So I, that was one lesson I learned is catalog information on the fly. The second thing was, as my mentor and friend, Mark Batterson, said, he would say, Alan, you have to write every single day. Where's your most creative time? For some of us, it's the morning. For some of us, it's the evening. Mine is the morning. So I would do my devotional time for like 30 minutes. And then I would take 15 minutes and just write whatever I feel was in my heart for that day. Or I would, if there was something that was burning from the day before, I would write about that. And sometimes I would kick out 
200 words, sometimes they kick out a thousand words. If you write 500 to a thousand words a day, well then, you know, an average book is anywhere between 40 and 70,000. Yeah. That means in about a month and a half, you'd have a, you'd have enough for a book to start editing. With. So those are a couple of things that I learned in the process. That's really great. That pr- daily process of doing whatever, you know, I always think about like new habits or goals and, you know, somebody wants to go run a, a marathon. Well, first of all, just become a runner, you know, run every day. Yeah. Instead of, you know, I, I love that. It's like, how do you, how do you become a writer? Well, you write every day. I was having a conversation actually on one of the podcasts with my daughter, Alex, and we talked about this idea that people want to be the noun, but they don't want to do the verb. So they want to be the writer, but they yeah. don't want to do the, the act of writing or they want to do this thing, but they don't want to do the action that requires. So that's really great, great insight that you learned along the way. It's kind of like if you're kind of like if you're just listening to this, you're saying, I kind of feel like I'm supposed to write a book. I kind of feel like there's a book in me, even just starting from there. Well, then just be obedient to the I kind of feel like I'm supposed to. And if it's God, he'll keep the passion going. Yeah. If it's not God, it was die out and it will be just, at least you tried it. I'm not too concerned about like, will it become a bestseller? Like, I don't, I don't even care. And I, I honest to Jesus don't care. I'm just like, I did what God wanted me to do and I loved it and I'm ready to do the next one. And what's cool is out of that process of writing the one, I have three more in the hopper that are about 85 to 95% done because I'll start kicking out a chapter and then I'm going, this is actually a book. This is not a chapter. Yeah. Then I take that and then I slide that into a new Evernote and I start collecting chapters. And then I'm like four chapters deep and I'm like, this is actually a great book here. So then I slide and make another book. So it seems crazy, but that's kind of how I've got four books in the hopper right now that are, you know, between 75 and 95% done, let's say average and I'm like, wow, like this, it became fun. It didn't be, it was not a chore, even though it, even though you have to do the work, but it was like, when you do something out of obedience and you feel like God wants you to do it, it kind of feels, it doesn't feel like a work. It kind of feels like this is enjoyable. Like I'm doing God's will right now. Hey, I want to turn the attention to some of the content of the book. Actually, the last chapter of the book is entitled Peacemaking. Loving like Jesus in a tolerant and political culture. And obviously, as a culture, as a society, we've been walking through a season of time that's been very intense. There's been a lot of opportunity for there to be disunity. You know, we hear about the the cancel culture, the call-out culture, and things have been racially charged. We're walking through what's going to be a very contested political election. And there's a lot of opportunities for there not to be peace. I know recently I heard you on uh, Instagram that you were talking about this need for peace. There's actually a quote in that chapter from Heather Wilhelm from the Chicago Tribune who says, for a frightening number of people, the art of being offended by everything or even better, loudly and publicly complaining about being offended by everything is pursued with alarming dedication. For some, being offended is practically a credo in an all-encompassing way of life. And then you follow up that quote with this statement. You said there's a difference between participating in a culture of outrage and having firm convictions. And I just wonder if you could unpack a little bit this idea of how we should be peacemakers. I mean, this was chapter was written a year ago. Wow. And so just to let you know, this chapter was not written like June, you know, yeah. or like March. This was written 
like 2019. And actually, if I'm correct, it's probably written 2018. So this is coming from already the tension that was in the air that's now amplified like crazy right now with things that are going on. It's caused me to think a lot about it now even. And I would add, I have so many more thoughts on this. And one of my thoughts I've been thinking about is is being countercultural versus kingdom cultural. Countercultural says, well, look, if you're for this, you're against this. If you are for this organization, then you're against this organization. If you're for this political party, then you're clearly against this. And there's no, there's no, everything is counter. But when Jesus chose to be kingdom cultural, not counterculture, countercultural says there's a counterpunch to every opposing view, but Jesus chose to live kingdom cultural. And kingdom cultural says, no, there's a better way. And there's a way that's higher. There's a way that doesn't get caught in the drama of, of, of the back and forth, but that you rise above it. Jesus modeled perfect humanity. Jesus modeled perfect conflict resolution. Jesus modeled perfect response to racism. Jesus responded to, per- he modeled perfect response to political party. And this is what he's done. And so I'm like, okay, how did Jesus do it? And, and I do allude this in the book. I said, and, and you've got to remember in the disciples of Jesus, there was Simon the Zealot was at the table along with Matthew, the tax collector. One is very pro-government, pro-my leader. One is very much resist government, resistance. Resistance is, is the name of the game. And, but yet Jesus spent three years with these men at the same table. And Jesus somehow brought them together because he was kingdom culture focused. It's there's something to peacemaking that says if Jesus can do it, so can we. And we can get caught up in the outrage or we can choose to live above the outrage and say, no, there's a better way. And that way, and that way is the way that Jesus would act. And, and so I'm watching how Jesus would function and I'm saying, okay, well, what did, what did he do? And how did he do it? And, and these are the moments where I look at and I say, okay, well, how they choose to, how Jesus chose to engage is got to be the way that I want to choose to engage. I, I guess I've chosen to, and my challenge on the peacemaking chapter, to your point, is is saying, hey, you know, it, how we engage is important. Being disagreeable doesn't mean being dishonorable. Stop labeling each other and start learning from each other, because we fall into this trap of dishonoring others whose political beliefs or ideas are different from ours. And we have this left versus right, but what if we label each other as human beings? What if we saw each other as creations of God? Because that label gives us a starting point to engage yeah with others, which isn't political, it's not emotional, but it's it's personal to God. And you see people as, as starting as a creation of God and go from there. And, and that's and that's the challenge and yeah. that's the hope of what peacemaking would do. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's such a great such a great chapter. So like I said, I, I love the book and I, I want to encourage all our listeners to go out and get the book. I actually encourage you to get two copies. Get one for yourself, read it, because like I said, I've, I've been a Christ follower for a long time, but I still found it fresh and inspiring and some, some things that I, I learned along the way. And you may know somebody also that is starting a journey in faith or struggling with their journey of faith. That would be a great gift to inspire, encourage them. So uh, I know you can get on Amazon and probably Barnes & Noble, every place else that you can get books, but I'd encourage you to go out and pick up at least one copy of it. Alan, this has been great. If listeners wanted to find out more about you or wanted to connect with you online, where would you send them? Really the the hub of where all of my content and everything is, it's com is the place where you can find all of the book and all of the stuff, all of the resources. And also you can go to my name, um, alanpastine.com, which is also, if you looked it up and if you go to Amazon, if you type in my name, you'll find the book there as well as I'm on all the socials with my first and last name, Alan Pastine. Awesome. You can find it. 
I'm going to put all that stuff in the show notes. I'm actually going to put a link to the book and to your website there so listeners can get direct access there. This has been awesome. I feel like we could talk all night because you have a lot of words and I, I think you have a lot of great stuff to say. I can't wait till your next book comes out. I can't wait to see how you continue to develop as a writer and influencer. And I really do think that you have a voice to speak in the culture and um, a new way of saying really old things, a, a fresh way of bringing truth to this generation. And so I'm excited just to, to watch your, your journey and, and continue our friendship and continue the conversation, man. Thank you. Thank you for putting up this resource, uh, James. You and your wife are doing such an incredible job. You guys are, I mean, meeting you in person. If people could meet you, they would fall in love with you and your whole minute, your family and your ministry and everything the way I did. So thank you. It's such a gift to be with you and to see you again and to connect. And I love all the work you're doing with leadership. Thank you for investing all that you're doing, investing in raising up leaders and just being a gift to the church, being a gift to the kingdom of God. It's what you are. We're grateful for it. So thank you, man. Awesome, man. Thanks, Alan. You bet. That was really great. I appreciate Alan's desire to give new language to foundational truths. His book is super practical and relevant, so pick up your copy and like your encouragement, James, maybe pick up a couple of copies and share them with people you know and love. As we wrap up this week's show, I want to remind you to please go to either anchor.fm backslash last or the Anchor app and leave us an audio message. The four things we're asking you to tell us are your name, where you're from, something that you are thankful for, and one Thanksgiving tradition from your family. You can also get the link in the show notes at www.livelylast.com where you can always leave us your comments, questions, and feedback. Hey, please subscribe and leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to help others find the show. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Live Lead Last Podcast. So as we sign off, we want to encourage you to lead your life and leverage your influence today in a way that leaves a legacy that you want for tomorrow. Until next time, bye-bye.